Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Brian, I'm on the phone with Ashvin, and today we are discussing Bodies, Bodies, Bodies from 2022. Directed by Helena Rain, written by Sarah DeLapp and Kristen Rupinian, starring Amanda Stenberg, Maria Bakalova, Rachel Sennett, and Pete Davidson. In this film, old friends reunite for a hurricane party that goes awry when one of them is mysteriously killed. If you're new to the show, we're going to be talking about this movie without spoiling anything for the first 15 or 20 minutes. At that point, we'll play a little bit of transition music, take a quick break, and then come back and spoil stuff. So once you hear that transition music, it's time to duck out and go see the movie because we'll be spoiling things. It's in theaters now. This is a murder mystery and a black comedy. Another one from A24, buddy. They're putting out a lot this year. They are. Do you feel like uh, they've switched up their vibe a bit this year, just going off of like this film and X? Um, do you feel like they're they're lightening up a little bit? I think, you know, I mentioned it in another episode that they've had light movies dabbled throughout their filmography, but it does feel like a concentration of lighter films all in a row. Yeah, like this year. Yeah, or maybe if not in a row, all packed into a short space. You know, you had men was I think men was pretty typical A twenty four fodder. Yeah, and uh, that Cronenberg one that wasn't them, right? I don't think that was A twenty four. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, but yeah, they did X. They did Men. They did what else? Oh, they what did. We... I think they did everything all the time, everywhere. They did once. everything everywhere all at once, which again is a playful movie. Yeah. Um, and they did this new uh, movie about a seashell. That I, they did Marcel the Shell with yeah. shoes on. Yeah. And they've got Pearl coming out. Yeah. Which, did you notice the trailer for it in this film? In this film? Uh, oh, did they play it in front of it? Yeah. Oh, no, not in my theater. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, yeah, exciting to see that. Wait, that's going to be this year, I think. I think September. That's crazy. I think we might be covering that pretty soon. Nice. Wow, September. Wow. All right, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, this is so weird. I have this is the third 2022 horror film released this year from A24 that we've covered on the show. I put that in my notes. Yeah. But I can't think. Oh, it's the third. Okay. Yeah. X and Men. X and Men. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They. It is maybe getting a little lighter. Yeah. Which I, I'm glad. Uh, I feel like I got A24'd out uh, with all the grief horror that we were watching back in the day. So cool to see them lean a little bit more into this kind of uh, self-aware, a little bit more humorous uh, stuff. I'm, I'm here for it. Right. And it sounds like they're actually maybe working on another project with the director here. Oh, cool. Yeah. And she, this is her first English film, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe so. She, this is her second feature length film and her first one, what was it called? It was called Horrible Big empty pause instinct and that got a24's attention they had this script and they tapped her to direct it cool cool yeah, yeah. she's also an actor she has 68 acting credits to her name i know i know uh that, that's awesome that like uh i, I mean like yeah watching this student think it's someone's like only like their second movie that they're doing like uh seems pretty talented of a person yeah right she's from the netherlands so i think a good chunk of her acting credits are probably f- foreign films so she's probably not a familiar face or name to most of us in the u.s but i think that'll change 
if it hasn't already. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Cool, someone to watch. Yeah. Um, she said she likes taking on projects that explore, like, flaws, flaws of hers. Like, mm-hmm. why do I do these things that I know are bad for me? Mm-hmm. And so her previous film, Instinct was kind of a dark take on her like always dating people she knows are bad for her it was uh, about somebody falling in love with like a sex offender or something oh, wow um but i think it was played serious i believe okay um and she this was all based on her interview with the big picture podcast but she talked about how she can't take her eyes off of her phone so she oh. even though she didn't write this movie or generate the original idea she, i think she found her herself in it and kind of like found a way to attach to it due to I think a lot of us have that even if we don't consider it a giant flaw a good chunk of us are kind of fixated on our phones totally man yeah you get those uh weekly pings on how many how, what your screen time was oh god it's always so shocking and I embarrassing <laughs> I don't even know what's normal anymore I know right <laughs> I'm like does that count like when I was listening to music or is that just yeah. me scrolling yeah I know I know. And that's just on your phone. It doesn't like count like, uh, yeah, watching movies on TV or like work or anything. So it's shocking. I think I saw a tweet once. I think I may have even mentioned this on the show. It was like, I can't wait to get home from my day of looking at my medium screen to sit in front of my big screen and scroll through my small screen. (laughs) It was just like, oh, shit. So yeah, (laughs) yeah. Pretty, uh, yeah, yeah, scathing commentary on all of our existences. Yeah, that really hits. <laughs> yeah, but but that's cool that that she's Dutch because I, I feel like this movie taps into. Uh, it seems like targeted on like Gen Z trends and like behaviors, and uh, you wouldn't think. I don't know. Like so, uh, for for some reason, I thought that like a lot of like what I know of that is a lot of like U.S. culture, but it makes me think that now it might be more uh, universal. Well, Sean Fennessy asked her about that on the big picture and. She, I think it sounded like she took a lot of influence and knowledge from her actors here and she would like go out and hang out with them and write down some of the things they said with oh. their permission and like put it in the film. Are you serious? Um, That's hilarious. Yeah. And also, you know, she didn't, she didn't, uh, she didn't write the script. So that, a lot of that language is probably already in there. And I think she allowed some improvisation on set as well. So mm. Yeah. I think the young cast may have had a, a hand in crafting some of that dialogue as well. Sure. And you've got like a pretty, uh, a, 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 like strong actors here. Yeah. Yeah. So Amanda Stenberg uh, is one of the stars. She looked vaguely familiar to me. I couldn't figure out why. She's in a lot of movies and TV shows, none of which I have seen. But then I realized she is Rue from The Hunger Games in 2012. Oh, uh, nah, I don't get that reference. She's just a little kid. Okay. Oh, I thought you were yeah. Gonna you say, don't seem like a Hunger Games dude. No, nah, no. Nah. I thought you were gonna say Rue from uh, Euphoria, but you probably, do you watch that one? No, I don't. Yeah, I don't seem like a Euphoria dude. <laughs> <laughs> Alas, our differences. <laughs> uh, but no, that that's Zendaya. So yeah. Oh, okay. She's in Hunger Games. Okay. Yeah, and then uh, let's see, Maria Bakalova is probably the star of the movie, I guess, or the main character, at least. Uh, she plays B, and she's a Bulgarian actress who was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress in 2020 for her part in Borat's subsequent movie film. Yeah, did you see that movie? Did not know that. No, I've never seen either of the Borats. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah, I, I saw her in that, and I've been following her since. Uh, she, she was, like, really funny in that film. 
did a, did a great job. And I think he, Sasha Baron Cohen's like the one that discovered her and brought her on. And now like, uh, yeah, it seems like her career is taking off. All right. Yeah. I saw she has a role in guardians of the galaxy three as well. Wow. She's credited as Cosmo, the space dog, whatever that means. Hmm. Yeah. So I don't know if she'll be a voice or a creature of some sort. I'm not familiar with the guardians mythology. This is just me as I feel like everyone these days like is getting pulled into the Marvel universe. Everybody is because they they are so much of what's yeah. of the movie landscape. They just yeah. they're they need the resources. Yeah, yeah. That's it's kind of sad. It is a little bit sad. Yeah. Uh, Pete Davidson been on SNL for the past eight years. Has a bunch of movie roles to his name, including The King of Staten Island from 2020. What are your thoughts on this guy? He seems to be a polarizing actor in pop culture. I like him, man. I, I think he uh, did a great job of bringing light to mental health awareness during his time on SNL. He's been like open about like his issues. And then, yeah, man, just like the string of celebrities he's been dating. Uh, I, I got a lot of respect for that guy. And I, I think he's like an honest and pretty funny comedian. But what, what are your thoughts? I don't get it, like, I guess. Which, which part? I don't see his appeal as an entertainer. I I did see him get interviewed on Hot Ones, and I was surprised by the fact that he seemed like a pretty normal person. Yeah, but I I wasn't. That didn't make me like him any more or less. I just I don't see how he's funny. I never thought anything on SNL he did was amusing. Oh, what about like the Chad bits? Where's Where's Chad? Uh, yeah, I don't think I like those either. Oh, okay. Uh, trying to think of like some of his best work. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. I uh, it, it I, most of the stuff I remember of him is like the bits he would do on like the weekend update and stuff, like some monologues here and there. And uh, yeah, there's something about him, like his delivery, where he just feels like a normal guy. And uh, yeah, I guess I've never seen like a stand-up of his. So, hmm. Me neither. I, I think of him as like viewed as the modern Adam Sandler for SNL, like in the context of SNL. Uh, but yeah, not for me. Okay, yeah. Uh, what about the whole Kim Kardashian thing? That didn't put him, uh, that didn't make you like him more? No, I, I guess I'm one of those guys, I am aware how ridiculous it is, who gets like frustrated when extremely attractive women keep dating men. I'm just <laughs> like, I don't get it. I don't see it. Yeah. <laughs> What's the secret? <laughs> yeah yeah i know it's it's frustrating but it, it gives some hope like oh cool you don't have to be uh you know chris hemsworth or something out there uh, yeah and then there's also guys who just like totally throw off my idea of what people consider handsome uh, where i'm reminded that i'm just not a good <laughs> good uh gauge on, on whether or not men are handsome oh yeah or attractive yeah yeah, yeah. tastes tastes are evolving different these days yeah, sure. Uh, this movie has a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, 75% uh, user score on Rotten Tomatoes. I didn't see any budget number. The box office is only $3.5 million. I would have expected a little bit higher. I feel like a lot of people are talking about this movie and horror fans have kind of had their eye on it. Um, I don't know, maybe that number will grow or maybe it just wasn't a very wide release. Well, it wasn't, right? It was like it first came out to very select theaters, like, and then just this weekend it kind of spread a little bit more widely. Yeah, right. But I just thought it would be even... Bigger than that. Yeah. This weekend, yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Uh, 
I don't, I don't know if it's on too many like yeah the, the promos seemed pretty solid um it kind of uh has pitched itself as what like a murder mystery or, or like yeah some kind of like new gen z slasher film um but yeah I, I haven't talked to anyone else who's seen it uh so yeah i don't know that's interesting yeah i was going to the end of this kind of assuming it was a slasher film um i don't want to spoil too much about it but i don't know that i would categorize it as that um but murder mystery black comedy seem like the two genre tags that could most easily stick to it sure based on the way it was advertised or based on like after having seen it after having seen it oh yeah yeah um, let's see here. The score was done by Disasterpiece, who, and I think probably both of our opinions, created one of the best scores of all time in 2014 for It Follows. Yeah. Uh, he also scored David Robert Mitchell's Under the Silver Lake, which I've never seen, nor have I heard that score. He also has scored multiple video games, acclaimed scores for video games, and he scored Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Oh, so he's got two scores in theaters as we speak. Interesting. Wow. This guy's getting big. And today I was listening to his score for a video game uh-huh. called Fez, and it was incredible. Really? Okay. I, yeah. I, I, it's going to become an album that I listen to fairly frequently. Wow. I didn't realize you listen to video game scores. That's interesting. I didn't until now. I just, I really like lyricless ambient music when I'm working. Yeah. And this is exactly what I need, this this cool. Fez score. So cool. When you heard it while you were watching it, did it uh did did it click for you that this is the same guy? I saw his name in the credits. Uh-huh. Um and I knew ahead of time that it was him, so uh hard to say. But yeah, there's there's a few sounds he uses that I think tied back to his it follows score and his other music, but Okay. He's He's a guy that uses such a specific set of sounds that you could think he'd really box himself into a corner musically yeah. and become really repetitive, but he still finds a way to make really eclectic and grand music. Uh, it's it's cool, man. I would check out that video game score. Okay. What's the game called again? Fariu. Fez, F-E-Z. Okay. I'll check it out. He also has another one. I can't remember the name of the game. It was like Hyper Drifter or something. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I went to see this with a buddy, and I was like pumped that it was disaster piece because of it follows, and he was excited because he had scored a couple. Of, like he was familiar with the video games he had oh, scored. Oh wow, wow! I didn't realize he was like such a well-known name. Yeah, I guess so. Among nerds of of various ilks. <laughs> yeah. There's not too much background info out there on this thing, huh? No, not much. Um, yeah, I just had uh, the director, Maria, music. Yeah, that was all I had too. <laughs> so many of the people are either kind of unknown or they've been working in another country most of the time or they're pretty new, like the Sarah DeLapp and Kristen Rapini, and I don't really know if they had much or anything else to their name Yeah. Um, so far. Right, right, yeah. Uh, not that I'm aware of. This was... You know, we often mention A24 in our background info that they distributed a film. I think a lot of people get confused on distribution versus production. A24 finds and distributes a lot of movies that they don't produce. But I feel like lately, I don't know if this has anything to do with the tonal shift, but if you look at their filmography and what they've produced and distributed, 
it seems like the past few years it's been getting gradually more and more that they are producing themselves. Oh, sure. Um, which maybe makes sense as they become more successful, make a name for themselves, probably get more cash on hand. Yeah, that seems to be the what, what like the streaming platforms are going for. They used to just be distribution, and now they're producing their old stuff or their all all their stuff. I think it's right. a matter of uh, a huge cost of these guys are probably royalties um, on things that they distribute. So having your own stuff and distributing, I'm sure you just have like a huge profit margin compared to uh, other people producing it. Yeah, and that's interesting that you paralleled that journey to the streamer's journey because that's a similar thing, right? They're distributors buying movies or paying licensing fees to people. And then after a while of success with doing that, they started producing more and more of their own stuff. Yeah, it's weird. A24 is on a very similar path, even though their distribution channel is almost kind of the opposite. They're like your local artsy-fartsy theater uh for people who still believe in going to the movies versus sure. you know, the Netflixes of the world. The streaming, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you don't think A24 is ever going to do like any... Well, they, they got to be doing some like direct-to-streaming, some of their films, right? Hmm, I wouldn't be surprised, but I'm not sure. Yeah. I wonder if like The Lodge had like a... Yeah, well, actually, that wasn't A24, was it? That was, yeah, the, the Lodge was Hammer. Right, that was Hammer, yeah. It feels like an A24. Yeah, right, right. Um, hmm. Yeah, I'll have to go back and look at their filmography. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, anything else, or should I hit the Ohio Connection? Uh, let's do the Ohio Connection. Okay, as always, our Ohio Connection comes from Alex, who owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio. He is our buddy. He connects every state, every movie we watch to our home state of Ohio. And he says, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies is a black comedy film about a group of friends who attend a hurricane party at a mansion owned by a family friend. A hurricane party is a social event held by people in the coastal United States who live in Hurricane Alley between Maine and Texas. The event is held during a hurricane. However, the guests are typically allowed to stay with the host for three to five days, weather permitting, and guests in return bring hurricane supplies such as radios, first aid supplies, food, etc. Hurricane parties have been highlighted throughout pop culture, notably in an episode of the comedy series Cougar Town titled Down South. Among the stars of Cougar Town is longtime TV actress Krista Miller, best known for her role as Kate O'Brien on The Drew Carey Show, a comedy series set in Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, nice. <laughs> I remember her. <laughs> I think, as we were saying, there's not much background info on this movie out there because some of these people are new yeah. or typically worked in other countries. And I think that factored into how far <laughs> yes. Alex had to go to find a connection here. Yeah. But I like that connection. That's a good one. Yeah. Good, good tie back. I always had a crush on Krista Miller. Yeah. Yeah. She was, uh, she lived in the house, right? With the rest of them? On oh, Cougar Town? Uh, no, on the Drew Carey show. No, she, she didn't live there with them, did she? Uh, I thought Maybe I she did. Yeah, I thought her Shit, name. I can't remember the Drew Carey show anymore. I know her name was Kate. Yeah. And then I had a crush on her as a young child, but... They don't remember where she lived in the show. I don't remember uh, her just place a of lodging. Uh, yeah. Uh, I yeah, shit, I can't remember. I thought it was like the cool like thing where they were like roommates or something. Or, right, yeah. I don't know. That was a thing in the 90s for like men and women to be rooming together. Yeah. <laughs> on TV. <laughs> and for it to be like interesting enough to be a show about right. that concept. She was in Scrubs, too, which is another show I loved. Ah, okay, okay. Cool. 
All right, buddy. Are you ready to keep going, walk through the plot, spoil everything, and review the movie? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. Do you mind hanging on a second before we keep going? I think I'm just going to go get another bottle of beer for the second half of this oh, episode. Oh, sure. Yeah, go for it. All right, cool. Be right back. Okay, man, I'm back. Hey, how'd everything go? Not great. So recently on our Discord server, Evil Coop posted a video of him opening a beer bottle with his teeth. Uh So I figured I'd give it a try. Um, And the reason I was late coming back here is because I I had to make an emergency call to my dentist. Oh, no. (laughs) I got to go take care of that, but I've got time to finish this up with you real quick. Cool. Hopefully you got it on video at least so you can go viral. (laughs) Yeah. At least it'll be worth it then. Yeah, I'm going to post it on my Insta. Nice, nice. Do the kids, you stay more in touch with Gen Z culture than I do probably, right? Uh, Is that fair to say? I don't know. I mean, are you on Insta or TikTok? No, neither. Oh, okay. Then, yeah, maybe I might have it by like a hair because I'm at least on those, but I'm not sure if I know how to use them correctly. Sure. I just learned like what the word drip means. Uh, you, You ever use that word? Drip like to drip swagger? Uh maybe. What it, what does it mean? It's something to do with your fashion, I think. What what does drip swagger mean? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a perfect place to start the plot run through of this very Gen <laughs> yeah. Z movie. Alright, let's get into it. Alright, let's drip our swaggers into it. <laughs> right. We open with a couple, two young women named B and Sophie. Sophie tells B she loves her and tells her it's okay, she doesn't have to say it back, and B smiles at her but doesn't say I love you back. They're on their way to a party with a bunch of Sophie's friends. B's a little bit worried. She's worried about leaving her mom for the weekend, who we later learn has borderline personality disorder, and B's also worried about fitting in with Sophie's friends. She doesn't think she's impressive enough. Sophie is wealthy, and B works at the game hut, and the party is hosted by Sophie's friend, David, who lives in a mansion. They arrive to the party. All of Sophie's friends are very excited, or I mean, not excited, surprised to see her, as apparently Sophie didn't let them know that that her and her girlfriend were coming. Our cast of characters here includes 20-somethings Emma, Jordan, David, played by Pete Davidson, and Alice, as well as Allison's, Alice's older boyfriend, Greg, who looks to be in his 40s. We learn that they're here for a hurricane party, like Alex said, uh, and Alice's boyfriend, Greg, comes out of the house with a bottle of champagne and a sword, which he uses to open the bottle. They all think this is really cool, but David, who is clearly jealous of Greg and how handsome and suave he is, scolds Greg for touching his dad's sword. What do you think of this setup and the tone of the movie and everything so far? Uh, I liked it because like, there's like some animosity like right off the bat, and you can tell like uh, there's like a lot of like underlying friction here. Um, and it's just like, it seems like pretty, uh, cool of a like concept. Like I, I was never heard aware of a hurricane party. So, uh, it seems like a great idea and, and this looked like a great time. So, uh, I was, I was pretty bought in. How about you? Yeah. Never having lived where there are hurricanes, I did not know what a hurricane party was either. So that was interesting. Yeah. I, you know, I don't like animosity. <laughs> <laughs> so I was kind of, you know. 
you wish little... <laughs> you were wishing they were all like giving each other hugs and like happy to see one another yeah yeah, yeah. i did and i liked greg oh yeah he was a cool guy <laughs> yeah he was cool really had a little man crush on greg oh yeah yeah the night goes on there's drinking and drugs except from sophie who we learn has recently gotten clean they decide to play a party game called Bodies, 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 which is kind of like Mafia or Werewolf, if anyone's ever played either of those. You played any of those? I don't think I have, no. But um, I get, yeah, there's so many games with that similar concept where you don't know who one of the characters is and the whole point is to guess who, that, who they are, right? Yeah, yeah. I tried to play one of them once, I think Werewolf, and everyone was just screwing up so bad that we never really finished it. <laughs> oh, man. It seems like those games never go too well. Yeah, anything that's like kind of complex, I feel like you get started and you never end, like Monopoly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, the game goes south when David and Emma get in a fight, uh, and David's a total dick to Emma. Uh, among the other things he's chewing her out for, he calls her out on using the word gaslighting, saying it's an overused word that she learned on Twitter and doesn't even understand the meaning of, and he tells her she's never had an original thought in her head. David also gets into some tense moments with Greg after Greg pretends he's dead in the game. And Greg excuses himself to bed just to get away from the bad vibes because that's the kind of guy Greg is. So cool. And he's so cool (laughs) and handsome, strong. Yeah. Yeah. And David storms off as well after his fight with Emma. Uh, So it's just these young women alone here and the power goes off and everyone's cell phones stop working. They all get split up. B is alone when she sees David come from outside to fall against the sliding glass door. The girls all realize his throat has been slit, and one of them finds the blood-stained sword outside. Uh, what did you think of that and this setup with the power out and them kind of going around the house? Even before the power was out, I think they were playing in the dark, this bodies, bodies, bodies game. They've got, like, glow sticks in their phones glowing and the flashlights on it's kind of an interesting uh cinematic cinematographic <laughs> approach i guess yeah yeah like the, the the setting like a lot of this film is like just people walking around a house with like using a, a flashlight from their cell phone and it, it, they pulled it off like it never felt like uh you know what's going on there like i feel like the suspense actually was working uh when they're like wandering around the dark here even playing that game bodies 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 you know it's a horror film you know like someone's gonna be dead so like i think it's it's getting you uh hooked into the suspense pretty effectively what what did you think i think so too actually i think the setting was really cool um they lucked out with this house it sounds like from an interview i heard with uh helena reyna on the big picture uh that's two big picture drops maybe three in the past two or three episodes damn um (laughs) you're just like refer people just go there yeah (laughs) 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 <laughs> although they don't they don't have as many entertaining uh idiotic moments as <laughs> yeah us. that's true we know that's what everyone's here for <laughs> right yeah uh let's see so we're yeah i thought that was cool I, I thought it made it suspenseful and i think it was kind of a feat the way they filmed this movie with the low lighting and like the accent points from whatever glow sticks or phones or flashlights so many movies, horror movies, I feel like I can't see much and I, I'm not a fan of like a totally dark, uh, like we have the technology to shoot in low lighting now, but I don't, I feel like we overuse that technology and it's like stuff is so dark now. But 
This was a rare movie in which I felt like I never had trouble seeing anything, even though the lights were out the majority of the time. Like, it was really well done because it captured the vibe of darkness without being, like, confusing and disorienting in a bad way. Right. I, I agree, man. I, I was shocked. Because, uh, yeah, I would have expected, if you're trying to do a movie like that, like uh, you would have been like kind of frustrated uh, by the lack of things you could see. But, yeah, I don't know how they did that. Um, I don't know. It must have been like low lighting around or something, but yeah, you, you can make out what you had to make out. An old man's review of a Gen Z movie. <laughs> I like I that can... I could still see it fairly yeah. well. And I could hear what they were saying. <laughs> <laughs> it was okay. <laughs> Thank you, A24. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's great. Uh, so let's see. Yeah. So David, David is dead now. Um, and the accusations immediately go towards Greg, who hasn't been around since he excused himself from the game. Uh, and after all, him and David did have a few tense moments back there and David was being a dick to him in general. They also find out from Alice that she's only known him a few weeks and met him on Tinder. So they and don't that, know much about him. And, and that he's a vet. And he's a vet. Uh, and possibly the only one of them who's capable of such violence because he is a vet after all. They go find him asleep in the mansion's gym with his headphones on and start to accuse him. He at first is like just calm but confused, but after a while he starts to get hostile back and confrontational. He steals the knife from one of them. There's a bit of a standoff and B eventually kills him. Um, Did you see... Did you think she stabbed him in the back? Wikipedia says she killed him with a kettlebell. Yeah, she could kill him with a kettlebell because, like, I know someone else had, like, a knife, but she was, like, holding a, a kettlebell that, like, she bashed his head with. Okay, I kind of missed I missed that uh, that weapon mm. somehow. Yeah. I guess I couldn't see as well as I thought. Yeah, well, I mean, B's, like, a really interesting character because, like, she's not talking at all and she's kind of, like, on the sidelines while this is going on, even though she's the main character, but she's fairly silent. Yes, she is. Um, so upon his death, everyone's slightly traumatized by the fact that this actually just happened, especially Greg's girlfriend, Alice, who then scolds the group and says he was a veterinary, veterinary assistant, not a war veteran. (laughs) Uh, poor Greg. Yeah. People get split up again and they eventually find Emma dead at the bottom of the stairs. This escalates tensions again because it implies that the killer is still among them. It wasn't Greg. So they turn on B now because it's revealed that she didn't graduate from the college she said she did. One of the girls Googled her and found that out. Uh, I'm not sure how you could find every person in the college's graduating <laughs> class online. I know. <laughs> Maybe you can. Yeah, I hope not. Otherwise, uh, my, my employment's in jeopardy. <laughs> <That's the laughs> case, yeah. Oh, I don't think he's joking. <laughs> B says she had to drop out to take care of her mom. But nevertheless, they throw her out of the house into the rain. Um, Actually, maybe she hasn't told them that later, but no matter. Sophie watches them kick her out of the house. Her girlfriend, uh, who has told her she loves her, watches her friends kick her out of the house uh, without even doing anything about it. She doesn't so much as utter a protest. That was hard to believe, wasn't it? Like, she was like so in love with it throughout the whole film and like, just finding out that Utah thing, and now she's, like, okay with it? Yeah, I mean, I think we'll talk more about that in the review, but I think that's kind of what this movie is doing, is mm. throwing all of its characters under the bus. Sure. Vapid. I, I feel like not only are the characters throwing each other under the bus, but so is 
the this, movie. Okay. Um, B tries to seek shelter in the car briefly and discovers a pair of underwear, I think in Sophie's bag, that don't seem to belong to Sophie. Um, and I think she ties it to like underwear she'd found earlier that belongs to Jordan. Yeah, that's what I read on Wikipedia as well, but I had... How would one know this just from paying attention to Jordan's bra earlier? Uh, did, no, remember, did you catch that? I caught that, yeah. When uh, they find Emma in that one room, um, uh, B, her name's B, right? Yeah. It's for, it's for some reason, like, she picks up a pair of underwear and, like, Jordan's like, why are you, like, holding my underwear? Oh, uh, right, yeah, okay. And then later she finds the same underwear in, in the car. Okay, okay, old man Brian is catching up. Yeah, this is why you should always pick up underwear when you walk into a room. You never know where you're going to find <laughs> right, it again. Right, that's the first thing you do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's see. B makes her way back into the house after seeing through one of the windows that Jordan has a gun now. She reveals this fact to the group, but Jordan refuses to admit she has a gun, and a fight ensues where all the friends are insulting each other. Jordan disses Sophie because of her drug habit and reveals to B that Sophie recently cheated on B with her, uh, which would make sense with the underwear find. Alice insults Jordan for thinking she's a rag-to-riches story, even though her parents are upper-middle class. And Sophie ultimately reveals that Jordan only hate-listens to Alice's <laughs> podcast, to which, or Alice's podcast, to which Alice replies that podcasts are really hard work. <laughs> Did that hit you? <laughs> that struck a chord. Yeah. We feel you, Alice. I know. I feel like the whole audience I was in, like, there are people in there, like, yeah, it is. it's a lot of work. Why people hate podcasters, man? It, it's like such a threat in movies lately. Uh, I just feel like there were way too many of them, aren't there? There's too many. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at this point, a giant struggle for the gun ensues, and Alice eventually ends up shot through the neck and killed. Sophie pursues Jordan through the house. They get into a fight that B jumps in on and interrupts, and eventually throws Jordan over a banister onto some glass liquor bottles to her death. But before Jordan dies. She tells B to just check Sophie's texts. The next morning, as the sun comes out and the storm is calmed, Sophie reveals to B that she relapsed last night. She did drugs and offered some to Emma, and Emma was so high she fell down the steps to her death. So Sophie feels responsible for Emma's death, but of course she didn't tell anybody, and she let B take the blame for it. B, however is in a less affectionate and intimate mood. She holds Sophie at gunpoint and asks to see her text as she's really starting to feel like she did cheat on her with Jordan. Uh, a struggle ensues and the phone is dropped. They find the phone in the mud but then realize it's not Sophie's phone but David's. They use David's dead body to do face ID and they find on his phone a video of him playing with his dad's sword and trying to accomplish the same champagne opening move that Greg did earlier in the film but the video reveals that David accidentally cut himself with the sword and his death is nobody's fault but his own. <laughs> the movie ends with a friend who had done shrooms and wandered off the night before, uh, but the night before Sophie and B arrived, he returns to the house, confused to see David lying in a pool of his own blood. The women look up as this prodigal friend returns and the power in the house comes on and B says, I have service or something to that effect. And the movie ends with that being the last line. Boy, that plot run through went fast. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty quick. <laughs> I think you, I think you nailed it. Uh, I mean, obviously, like so much of this film is just like the dialogue and the bickering going on between the characters, right? Yeah, right. And I think that's where the conversation is to be had. It is a very 
it is either a movie, a black comedy made for Gen Z, taking down some of the things that are in their world or people who are among them in their world, or it's a movie that's totally lampooning Gen Z. You don't think it could be both uh, for and about? Yeah, right. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, this uh, doesn't it make you f- like it to me? This feels very really reminiscent of like Scream or maybe even like the Friday the 13th and the time when it came out, where it's like hitting on the younger generation at that time and like what people are making fun of them about and uh, how that's like leading to like their dads. Like, I feel like that's a common theme that we've seen throughout history of horror films, isn't it? Do you think that the slashers are focused on what people are making fun of those generations about? Like, Scream focuses on what people were making fun of. I don't think people even made fun of. That's not true, but everything is just magnified nowadays with social media, mm. every cultural conversation. Yeah. I don't know that the criticizing of one generation of the next... Uh, no, maybe I'm wrong. I was going to say it wasn't such a prominent element in pop culture before social media. But maybe I'm wrong. I mean, that was all kind of the free love movement of the 60s was pushed back against their parents and stuff. So I guess yeah. it's always been a giant part of culture. I think so. Yeah. This has been that kind of awareness of like young kids do this. And a lot of these horror films, I I, I think like kind of show them doing that and like to, uh, to things that don't uh, like, yeah, they get killed. So yeah, like scream like the house parties that were being thrown. I thought was like a comment on. Uh, and like her friends, like their behaviors and stuff was kind of like capturing that generation or like Friday the 13th and like the camp culture and like how those teens are interacting is kind of capturing uh, those behaviors that were common back then. You, you don't think so too much? I guess I don't know. I'm not sure that uh, those movies were made to lampoon generations and the way they talked and the way they acted and the things that were important to them. I almost feel like it was more made as a product and the desires of the male, primarily male creators, <laughs> to see women taking their tops off, running around in skimpy outfits. Yeah. And, you know, to go in with your phallic theory, <laughs> seeing them get yeah. stabbed with phallic objects. You know, it seems like more in those days, we were making movies we thought kids wanted to see. And hey, these these grown thirty to forty year old men who are making the movie don't mind seeing it either. Oh yeah, this is a movie made by women. Two women wrote the script, and I don't know their ages. Helena Rain was is mid forties, um, so it's kind of a unique experience for her to be so, so close to this kind of content that is very Gen Z directed. Mm. Um, I don't know, man. I think this is more. I don't think this is like, hey, this is what Gen Z wants to see on screen. Although mm-hmm. I do think it's made for Gen Z. I think you're right, for and about and against, maybe. Yeah, I think. So. I think it's more like holding a can, holding a a mirror up to a generation. Whereas I don't think other slashers were doing that so much. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, and this one, it's really like the focal point, and maybe it was like more background or like more subtle in uh, films in the past. But this one, yeah, like the threat and the scare and like the violence, the plot points are being driven by like the generational uh, 
or whatever their commentary is on the generation. Right. Do you think that this movie can be tied to things like Black Christmas 2019 and the new wave of woke horror, or even Texas Chainsaw 2? Um, Texas, mm-hmm. Not Texas Chainsaw 2, that They're Texas Chase, Chainsaw remake recently. Yeah. Uh, how so? Like in like the social awareness aspect? The social, yeah. We're, these are movies about young kids who are living in a social media world if they're not on social media during the movie, they're heavily influenced by social media in the way they mm. speak and act. And the topics they're discussing are very much the topics that are discussed day to day on social media. Yeah. I think some of them take it and make it more a force for maybe not a force for good, but they're embracing it. Like Black Christmas 2019 very much embraces the kind of narrative this movie is lampooning a bit. And, and weaves that into its protagonists and makes that kind of like the winning force in a movie. Yeah. Uh, whereas this one's kind of swatting that that kind of culture away. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I think there are like clear uh, parallels between those films and that one on, on that theme and uh, bringing those items. But uh, yeah, we, so, so you, you think this one though is more like dismissive of it or like uh, showing it more in a negative light compared to those? I think so. Yeah, I mean, like Pete Davidson saying, "You don't even know what like gaslighting means." Uh, it, sh- and he's providing cultural criticism of like, okay, that word was not part of the lexicon. Now people are saying it every day. Yeah, right. The other characters say things like, "You're silencing me." Um, it, it's this unique brand of like pseudo psychological terms, maybe not even pseudo, just psychological terms that previously would not have been known outside of like psychology and mental health fields, but now have become so much a part of the lexicon on social media, perhaps just because much more, many more people are going to therapy and talking about it. Perhaps it's because people who are working those fields have public platforms. And it's interesting that you mentioned at the top of the show that Pete Davidson has become kind of a symbol of speaking about mental health because this movie, which he stars in, is very much, in a way, kind of about mental health. Not really, but I feel like mental health and the day-to-day not only serious mental health problems, but the day-to-day mental health issues that people face, if you can even call it that, or like the social issues, like gaslighting. Like, if you're gaslit, you don't have a mental health problem, but in a way, it's something fucking with your mind and and the general health of your mind. You know, it's just health is a spectrum physically and mentally, so... I don't know what my point is here. I, I think I'm trying to say it's weird how much of the lexicon that this movie is lampooning has to do with like a state of mind or like, yeah, a, the yeah, state of your mind and the way yeah. pe- people interact with each other and manipulate each other's states of mind or, or argue with each other and take certain principles and use them as arguments that are kind of like mind games and mind tricks. It's very feel, odd. Is there like a boomer 
version of this conversation where it's like young kids are way too sensitive and use these terms that they don't know like what they what what they mean and um like like is is that kind of what we're saying like the, the like the uh like what we would have called like back in the day like having a thick skin maybe is is that what is that like a stake here or like what we're call, or like what we're calling out here maybe yeah yeah or maybe it's kind of like how uh don't they say like eskimos have like a hundred words for snow and we have like three <laughs> it's like gen z has a hundred words for being an asshole <laughs> and <laughs> a previous generation would just call somebody like an asshole or a douchebag sure yeah yeah they've got gaslighting and silencing and yeah um that i think you're right i think it does show like the destructive forces of like yeah on on one hand it's great that like uh you have this generation that's like so in touch and like becoming so aware but then showing like the destructive uh pattern or like a toll that can take um on, on in like a small ecosystem like this right right and the fact that the social media clout has become so important to them that it's almost as if they're speaking to a Twitter crowd in their arguments and discussions among each other. Oh, yeah. So that, like, it's it's not even grounded in reality of the day-to-day interactions with these people that are actually in front of them and matter. It's more like having these gotcha moments of, like, oh, I successfully used the term gaslighting against you. Sure, sure. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, everything kind of becomes more of, like, a catchphrase to, right. to weave into the conversation. Yeah, yeah, no, I, th- I think that that's a definitely a play on it, and kind of like how that deflects them, like actually uh, being able to work through the situation um, by keeping like yeah, the, the, like sticking to those terminologies. Maybe that kind of like leads them into this perilous universe. Sure, like is it is it a thing for them to hide behind rather than have like any real conversations with each other? Yeah, yeah, just the way things escalate, it's, it's nuts. I also feel like it's kind of a theme a riff on cancel culture as well. Mm, Like, yeah, they're all so quick to pounce on each other, AKA cancel each other for whether it be about wrongs that they, in someone's past, you know, how people will dig up a tweet from 10 years ago that somebody made. Yeah. Um, or yeah, about committing some sort of social faux pas. That's uh, a buzzword in, in the psychological talk of Twitter, like gaslighting. Yeah. Um, I, do you think it had multiple layers of that kind of theme or was it kind of a one-trick pony? Um, no, I, I think what it did was it, it spread wide to like capture uh, all the terminology it could and like pack it into the script versus, yeah, it's tough for me to say like there were like a layered or like uh, parallels or like metaphors. Uh, like, yeah, the depth of it felt more widespread and shallow than deep. But what, what do you think? I agree. Yeah, sure. Um, I don't even know if it was that widespread. I I think it feels widespread, but it's all a different shape of the same thing. Mm. Um, And honestly, if we're being real or if I'm being real, I probably didn't even understand (laughs) a lot of the jokes made in this movie. I like may have had such a deep misunderstanding that I didn't even know. Yeah. Jokes were jokes. Not only did I not get the joke, but I didn't know a joke was made. Yeah, yeah. I feel like uh, having interacted with my niece, who's like a 19-year-old, uh, every now and then, like, I, it helped me kind of pick up on, like, some of what was being said here. But, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot, like, I, I missed, too, uh, in, in the conversation. 
<laughs> but yeah, I'm learning new terminology every day on the Discord server. <laughs> yeah, thank God for that. Um, yeah, no, I, I, the, the movie felt like pretty squarely focused on a generation of the verbiage and the mental state uh, that they're in. Um, but was it, uh, yeah, and, and I guess like the the lack of connectedness that like exists in our in our current society or like in that group um, as a result of like some of these new things that have been created. Yeah, right. And they were also maybe like so eager to be the winner of an argument that they were willing to sacrifice a friendship for it. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think it was also a commentary on the shallowness of friendships, uh, at least of these characters, right? Like nobody's friendship seemed to be worth a damn. It all just crumbled at the first sign of resistance. Yeah, which is interesting because like uh, the movie starts with like someone, um, you know, saying that they love someone, right? And then, uh, right. yeah, that, that I guess like doesn't pan out. I guess it kind of, what is it doing? Like diluting the value or like the the concept of love in this? In yeah, this I couldn't quite grab onto that opening line and weave it into the theme of the movie. Maybe just of the shallowness of the relationships. Um, yeah. Or the the eagerness to have these big important words for things that are actually kind of more slow and nuanced. Whereas mm. you can kind of look at B as a character that's a bit more even keeled. Yeah. Less to jump into this type of phrase, phraseology and, and uh, go jump to these arguments that the rest of them does. Yeah. She doesn't answer back. You know, it's maybe it's a commentary on that she's more thoughtful and slow yeah. rather than I'm going to say exactly what I think and feel when I feel it and not think about the consequences of having said it. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I have the impression too, like with you, that like she was like the honest one or the less, uh, um, the more balanced one, but uh, I, I don't know. Was she? Or do we just think I, that because she didn't talk that much? I mean, she acted in points of real danger. Greg had a knife and was like getting kind of threatening. Yeah. Um, and Jordan literally was probably about to kill Sophie. So Sure. But at the same time, don't you think it, the movie did itself a disservice by having her be the grounding, uh, the kind, the point for us to connect and experience the story through, but then not really spending that much time with her and kind of just yeah. discarding her to a certain extent as a character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, character development uh, overall, I felt like uh, you didn't get like the depth you wanted with any character. Like you knew about like some of the points of frictions. Or like, uh, yeah, some like a little bit of background or like what they were each hiding maybe. But uh, yeah, I don't think you got enough. I'm not, what do you think? I agree. I think that if you want to make the point that the characters are all shallow, that's fine. But I still think we could have gone a little bit more in depth on them and like yeah, what makes them so shallow. And I think that you need to have some characters who are not that. And Greg and B were those characters, but it would have been nice to have known more about them. Yeah. Or had a moment where Greg maybe had an authentic connection with B, so we can see, like, okay, these are our two yeah. normies. They they think and respond like normal human beings or sure. somebody we can grab onto. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the movie didn't do that. Um, mm-hmm. 
I feel like it was a movie that was very fixated on the point it was trying to make and the type of movie it wanted to be. Yeah. And it was laser focused on that and didn't bother with much else. I agree. I agree. It kind of like aimed its target and stuck on that and uh, almost like some parts like maybe dragged or like slowed the plot down so much just so like it could hit on like the commentary it wanted to make, which it really at times felt like because you're getting hit over the head with it a little bit, even though you had like some amazing one liners and like pieces of dialogue, but maybe uh, too much in, in turn of like at, at the at the expense of like a plot or character development. I agree. I mean, I think the murder mystery worked well. Like, I didn't know what was happening um, until it was revealed at the end that it was all just an accident. Um, yeah. And we'll talk about the implications for that. Um, they did a great job, like, planting red herrings, like, throughout, I, I think. For uh, sure. Right. Really cool. Yeah. I mean, it was, like, very classic whodunit murder mystery mm-hmm. story structure. That mm-hmm. part of it was executed well. Um But it felt all like a vehicle for the humor and the social commentary. Um, Mm -hmm. Started to feel like it was the same joke over and over again. Did it not? Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was a lot. uh, Yeah. Repeating. uh, You're right. It kind of lost some of its inventiveness uh, throughout uh, as, as the film progressed. Yeah, as much as there were funny lines, no joke was ever a surprise to me. It was just like, okay, sure. that's exactly what you expect. I expected that character to say or something of it. I, yeah. I couldn't have come up with it myself because I don't have that terminology, but right. yeah. Yeah, uh, I think that's always hard with a comedy, though, to like stay fresh over like the runtime of a film. Sure, but, uh, right. And it was such a contained movie. It all took place in one space with the same amount of characters. A dwindling number of characters. A dwindling uh, number of characters, that's true. Yeah. Um, which gave you more opportunity to get more in-depth about the characters. But you don't really. You just right. get more reveals on how they feel about each other. Uh, their takedowns, exactly. really. It's all It's all in what can be encapsulated in a gotcha moment. Exactly, exactly. What were some things you liked about the film before we go into some more like maybe nitpicky type things? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I can't knock like the the cleverness of it. Like, uh, I I did think the dialogue was like well written, and it did feel like you're in the room with them. Like you're pretty drawn into like the dynamic and the friendship, and uh, like you talked about, like the lighting kind of makes you feel like you're in this house that the power is out, and people are just wandering around with their phones and like the relationship seemed to work really well and you had some suspenseful sequences but yeah those were like the and and obviously all the red herrings like kind of threw you uh, around for a ride so uh, I thought it did a good job on that end I agree I think the cinematography was really cool the score was great disaster piece I listened to it again today cool it's better outside of the movie even because I just didn't always notice when the score was happening just because you're so in in the movie that you can't always separate out the score. Yeah. Um, I think maybe the biggest strength, even though I wasn't in love with the characters, were the performances. I thought everybody really na- nailed their part. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I think, yeah, all, all the lines were delivered well, and uh, yeah, yeah, really well acted. Yeah. Felt, so I think this authentic. movie did what it did proficiently and artfully, mm-hmm. but I don't like what it did. <laughs> I, I think... The ending itself truly, like, is the nihilistic icing on the cake. Mm-hmm. None of this needed to happen. It was all 
just an accident and they jumped right to accusing each other. Yeah. Part of me thinks, yes, that's a potent commentary about how we all are so quick to jump down each other's throats and throw somebody under the bus on social media. But that's kind of like all it had to say was that (laughs) and like, hey, this entire generation may be being warped by the way people talk on social media they think is just a way to talk and interact with each other. Mm. Um, I don't know. These friendships were also just so shallow and paper thin they collapsed at the first (laughs) sign of resistance. So it's just unlikable characters. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, except Greg, obviously. (laughs) Right, I mean, we all love Greg. Yeah, and B, uh, I think for the most part, like we didn't get enough of her, like dialogue-wise. But she's but, not like, even likable enough to be. Yeah, who she is in the movie, I guess. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think you're right. I'm like that's what I said. I do wonder if there was a commentary here. If you look at how each of them died, like, uh, um, one like trying to you know go viral or do something fun, uh, to like online. One uh, with drug ab- abuse, one with uh, gun violence. Um, was it any commentary on like the state of the youth today, or like the dangers in our society that like youth face? Uh, was it wasn't sure if there was something there, um, but yeah. The, otherwise, like yeah, it's hard to peel back too many layers here, and maybe it is just about like a bunch of really shitty people hanging out and being shitty to each other. That's a really interesting thought that the deaths may be more than just a death they themselves might symbolize something and then jordan died you could say via alcohol because she landed on all those liquor bottles oh, yeah exactly right yeah huh okay i like that yeah maybe maybe it's a stretch uh could be something to that and then i guess greg died he <laughs> <It> was <laughs> a gen xer killed by gen z <laughs> by a kettlebell yeah <laughs> yeah he died because he couldn't relate to the younger generation. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Couldn't evolve. He was kind of like the the guy, though, and I think to what you're talking about earlier around cancel culture, um, I wonder if that was like a commentary on, um, yeah, the the you know the focus on like men uh, and you know the threat the threat that they can uh, instill. Right, and perhaps even a political bent too. They learn he's a vet, which kind of like oh yeah. Makes you believe maybe he's on the red side of the political spectrum. And they also, they're like, is there a gun in the house? And one of them's like, no, like David's dad is a dick, but his politics check out. So there's some political commentary in here as well. I mean, it's basically implied these are all a bunch of young liberal people. Yeah, right. Uh, I thought, I guess I'm a little shallow and basic and that I like movies with at least one likable character and I think I prefer when biting social satire leans a bit more heavily on comedy uh, I would look to 2020's The Hunt for an example of that you know social commentary satire very like modern and of the times but it has a very likable character and a movie that really succeeds on its own two legs and stands on its two legs even if you took some of that stuff out Yep. Yeah. While this movie, I think, is a very like capable murder mystery, I don't think there'd be much to it if you took the dialogue out. I mean, that's why the plot summary was so quick. Not much really happens. Yeah. 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 Not much really happens, and I almost feel like the end is kind of like a fuck you to like 
anyone who's watching it trying to figure out who the killer is and then like finding out at the end oh there was no carol a killer so it's almost like yeah it didn't really respect uh its characters and trashed them the whole time then at the end it kind of trashes the audience because like you're there playing this guessing game uh with the characters and then you're kind of like also made into like this idiot uh at, at the cost of like gen z right right sure yeah and you thought you were watching a murder mystery but it's not really i mean it's it that flips that on his head too which yeah i don't know i kind of admire the movie for that and i think it needed to do that to drive its point home mm. but yeah it kind of just like the sour taste you may have had in your mouth from anything that the movie was pointing toward probably kind of got solidified with that ending right right um and of course b closes the with the line like oh i have service not like we can call for help or yeah, the power is back on. But sure. I also noticed whenever they had flashlights on their phone, their screens were always lit up too, which would actually mm-hmm. make it harder to see, right? Oh. With like a bright light in your face. <laughs> Flashing in your face in the dark, yeah. Yeah, that would blind you. <laughs> they also, you know, they collapse and break down when they're forced to interact entirely in real life and don't have access to their phones Right, anymore. it's almost like they don't know how to. Right. Yeah. Right, they start talking like they're online, even though they aren't. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a heavy and hard commentary, um, but maybe you don't need like an hour and a half of it. Yeah, yeah. Part of me feels like this could have been like a thirty-minute short instead of <laughs> an entire movie. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. But I, I love the beginning and the setup and kind of the idea of like where it could have gone, but then yeah, it kind of stalled uh, a little bit. Well, zero to five hours spent working really hard on a podcast. <laughs> what do you give this movie zero to five hours? I think two and a half uh, hours uh, working on a podcast. Uh, smart, really well written, cool premise, and like loved the acting and dialogues talked about. And uh, I think the direction here was great. Music was awesome. But uh, yeah, going through it, I kind of felt like a little bit tired and exhausted and like repetitive. And uh, the ending, while clever, kind of pissed me off a little bit, too. What about you? I feel the exact same way as you. I think it was a well-made movie, and I think it has its place. I'm glad it exists. Uh, I think it's a cool part of the horror landscape of 2022. I know a lot of younger people will probably like it a lot more than we do. Yeah. I think people in general probably like it a lot more than we do. Um, but I just did not like it. There's not enough for me to enjoy here. I think it did make the same joke over and over again. Uh, so I gave it two out of five hours spent wow. working really okay. hard on a podcast. If it had more Pete Davidson, would it have gone up or down for you? I think just unaffected. I, and I think okay. that's my take on Pete Davidson. Just <laughs> a guy. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, I, that I'm confused about why he's anything more than just a guy sure I, he was a highlight for me in the beginning i thought he was pretty funny like some of the lines he was given to do but you're right he is basically just a dude being a dude <laughs> and perhaps that's his value yeah exactly all right anything else before we wrap up that's all i got all right well this has been our discussion on bodies 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 uh if you enjoyed it please give us a five-star rating on apple Podcasts or spotify if you want to connect with us You can go to horrormovieclub.com. There you'll find links to Facebook and Twitter. That's where we let you know what movie we're covering next week. You'll find a link to our Discord server where you can jump on and talk to all our Gen Z listeners and a few few old Gregs are on there too. Um, Talk to us as well. 
Let's see. You can send us an email at podcast.horrormovieclub.com. On horrormovieclub.com, there's a big orange Patreon button where for a dollar a month, you can get access to bonus content and support the show financially, which we appreciate. Uh, our logo is done by Amy May Pop Art. You can find some cool Horror Movie Club coaster sets done by her. If you Google Horror Movie Club coaster set, you'll find her link on Etsy.com. Enter the code Movie Club to get 15% off on those. And until next time, don't get too down on yourself if your friends are all jerks and don't like your podcast. And remember, hate listens or still listens. <laughs> they still count. <laughs> <laughs>